Welcome back to Speaking of Wounds, a podcast by the Wound Care Learning Network. I'm your host, Steve Burquist. Listen, we have special guests with me today. We've got Dr. Wendy Cole, the adjunct professor and director of wound care research at Kent State University College of Podiatric Medicine. And of course, you guys know her. She is not new to this uh, picture of wound care at all. And she has with her, her research coordinator, Stacy Coe. And we have an interesting discussion coming up on fluorescence imaging. So I'm glad to have you guys. And uh, Wendy, take over and, and kick in. Let's, let's get a little bit of this podcast going where people can hear and learn. Okay, great. Well, thank you, first off, for having me back. It's, it's happy to be back and speaking with you again. Um, so today we were going to briefly discuss a recently published manuscript, and it was an extended case series. It was a pilot study where we used fluorescence imaging via the Moleculite device to determine uh, a more targeted wound bed preparation and debridement to see how that would affect long-term healing in patients with recalcitrant or hard-to-heal wounds. And that's great. So tell us about it. Okay. Yeah. Well, so we know <laughs> we know that. <laughs> that was really smooth to me. Um, <laughs> we know that wounds that are chronic so they've been open for you know at least a month or greater uh they're having difficulty in healing there's many processes these intricate overlapping uh stages to enable wounds to go on to complete healing and one of the things that can stall wound healing is increased bacterial loads we know that uh, wounds are contaminated uh, they might necessarily necessarily not appear infected when we see them in our wound care centers or in our offices, but we know that they are contaminated with uh, bacteria. So it's difficult to treat something we can't see. And there was a recent study actually that I was part of uh, that used a moleculite device and compared the fluorescent images that we obtained through the device uh, and then just uh, clinical signs and symptoms assessment. What it found is that when we just did a clinical signs and symptoms evaluation of these patients, only 15% of these patients actually appeared to have clinical signs and symptoms of infection. But then when we use the moleculate fluorescence imaging device, that percentage jumped up to uh, 61%. So again, we're not really able to see bacteria. We're not able to treat bacteria if we can't see it. And this uh, elevated levels or, or pathologic or clinically significant levels of bacteria might be present in our wounds and we might be missing it. We not, might not be doing the most uh, effective debridement either if we can't see where that contamination lies or if we do a good debridement if we can't detect it, if it was uh, sufficient enough to rid these you know, microbial units and, and divitalized tissue from the wound, um, possibly that's lingering in the wound and it, it's causing that uh, cycle of inflammation and that chronicity of the wound to continue. You know, I'm thinking back to the wound vac literature, you know, publication back, this is I don't know if it's a decade ago, uh, and the studies were done showing that even with the presence of pseudomonas, just one plus or rare, we still significantly um, slowed down healing so much using uh, the wound vac 
that it was recommended mm -hmm. to stop the wound back, treat, and then restart. So without infection, but just presence. So we've got mm -hmm. a historical standard to build this on as you're going forward with the current literature and what you're finding with the uh, imaging. Yeah, exactly. And the device itself, it, it's easy to use. It's a point of care diagnostic, which means we get immediate images that are reproducible. It's a handheld device. It's lightweight. It's portable. It's easy to use in our wound centers and our offices. And it uses a safe, non-invasive violet light. So when you uh, shine this light onto the wound, what happens is we're able to detect clinically significant levels of bacteria. So bacteria that's 10 to the fourth colony forming units or greater will fluoresce. Porphyrin producing bacteria will fluoresce a red or a pink. Uh, those are like pseudomonas and, and similar contaminants. And then uh, pseudomonas, as you mentioned, is a contaminant we see a lot of times in these chronic wounds. That actually fluoresces a, a, unique, a unique color, a cyan color. So we're able to determine these uh, bacteria loads when they're at a pathologic level that might be subclinical for uh, true infection, we're known that clinically infected wounds typically are considered those that have bacterial levels of 10 to the 6 colony forming units or greater. So we're able to detect 10 to the 4th colony forming units or greater. So we're kind of getting that bacteria. We're ridding, hopefully, the wounds uh, of devitalized tissue and bacterial contamination before it becomes infected and, and patients end up needing you know, hospitalization, oral IV antibiotics, possibly surgical interventions, and you know, worst case scenario, amputation. So we're trying to get them to the point, you know, at the point rather before they, they have negative sequelae from these chronic wounds and infection. Well, listen, uh, I, I want you to, I want to know more, but I've, I, if you are able to throw any of these three little pieces in there, tell me the amount of time it takes while you're doing this with the patient. Is it one minute? Is it, it takes five minutes of your time, et cetera. And what you think the, I know, I, I hate to ask it, but do you know anything about cost and reimbursement? Is it just like, sorry, this one's on your own shoulders or uh, is there help? So keep telling us about the study, but if you have a chance, throw some of that in there too. Okay, so yes, it's very simple to use and it, it's really uh, as simple as clicking a button and getting the image. So it's, it's instantaneous. Uh, the fluorescent images have to be obtained in a dark environment. If you're not in a dark environment, where Stacey and I work, luckily there are no windows in any treatment rooms. There's no windows in our office. We don't know what's going on outside half the time. So <laughs> we get to shut off all the lights and we're able to obtain the fluorescent image. But if you're in an environment where you have lights uh, or uh, windows in your uh, center, they, there's a black drape too. So the fluorescence uh, it has to be in a dark environment but instantaneous images and again they're reproducible um, so you can do a debridement you can take the photo again to see how you did with ridding the wound of bio burden and bacteria if you see areas that are still fluorescing and you're concerned that there's bacteria you can do additional debridements um, and, and there's nothing to inject uh, back in the day we used to use uh, ICG dye and, and uh, you know 
those sort of uh, procedures were invasive and there was possibly a reaction to these dyes. So there's nothing invasive. There's a really uh, good safety profile for this. It's a, a non-toxic uh, violet light. That's all we need to use. And there is now a reimbursement pathway. Recently, Moleculite did get coding and reimbursement for collecting these images. So that will actually, I think, increase utilization and the wound care centers, because, you know, we have a very small margin of, of profitability. Um, so, yes, there is reimbursement for collecting these images via the Moleculite device. So neat. Well, yeah. Wendy, you, you've got Stacy Cole with you. Yeah, so I, I wouldn't think maybe this. she could jump in and tell the methods of our study and uh, maybe talk a little bit about our objectives too. I can certainly do that. However, I want to um, go back for a moment to when, Dr. Cole, you were talking about um, how we can uh, see the bacteria at lows greater than 10 to the fourth on the wound, but also we can see with this device, we can see beneath the surface of the wounds up to 1.5 millimeters depth. And it, what we found in the study with some patients was while it might not fluoresce on the wound, there would be areas in the peri wound that was beneath the surface that clinically did not look infected, but showed up infected or to have um, a bacterial load underneath. Yeah, that was one of the take homes, um, you know, of the study. We learned a lot about what we didn't know uh, and what our eyes couldn't detect and what our current assessments weren't picking up. And one of the biggest take homes, I think, for me is not only was there contamination, significant contamination in the wound uh, tissues, but the peri wound tissues also had uh, significantly elevated levels of bacteria. And as wound care clinicians, sometimes we kind of just hone in on, on the wounded tissues and we don't pay as much attention as we probably should to that peri wound tissue. But I think now I have a better appreciation of the peri wound tissue and I am a little bit more uh, consistent with my peri-wound uh, tissue care uh, to hopefully prevent and rid that area of bacteria because that's probably why, you know, we do a good thorough debridement, the wound looks good, but then the next week, you know, the wound looks possibly contaminated or there's devitalized tissue. Maybe that bacteria in the peri-wound area is then re-implanting into the wound tissues. And if we do a better job of, of our peri-wound tissue care, we could prevent that from reinfecting or recontaminating the wound. Stacy, tell, uh, tell us about the methodology used. Sure, um, this was a 12-week prospective observational study. Um, we enrolled 11 patients, um, all of whom had an open wound of the lower extremity. Um, it, we did not, we weren't concerned with etiology. We accepted any wound regardless of mechanism of injury or wound size or wound duration. Um, and what we were trying to do was evaluate the utility of fluorescence imaging to detect the bacterial burden in and around the wound, measure the wound area over time, and um, also use the fluorescent images to guide the debridement based on the results that show, you know, what this showed about the location and extent of bacteria. Um, so patients were in for, were assessed weekly for up to 12 weeks. Um, if they healed earlier, they were done, um, or if they were lost to follow-up, they were done. Um, and at each weekly visit, 
We assess for clinical signs and symptoms of infection. We use the um, IWII infection checklist. And then we would take standard and fluorescent imaging, um, Im fluorescent images. Uh, the standard image with the moleculate, we were able to actually get the measurement. Um, it calib it's calibrated to um, some dots, like stickers that you put around the wound, and we can calculate the wound area and the maximum length and width of the wound. After that, we remove the stickers and we obtain the fluorescent image. Um, and then what we ended up doing was we would, we would target the debridement based on the fluorescent image, and then we would take another image, and if it still showed um, a bacterial load, we would continue to debride. And we, wanted, we were able to debride until there was no more um, fluorescing. However, on wounds that did continue to have fluorescence, then Dr. Cole can make the uh, clinical decision of what treatment to do if she needed antimicrobials or an antibiotic. Interesting. Hey, Wendy, did you end up yeah. having to work on the peri wound skin to get some of these things? You were just talking about being more noticeable now, but did you mm -hmm. have to debride into the peri wound skin or just use topical antibiotics on peri wound skin? How did you start approaching some of those deposits of bacteria? So, yeah, if we saw that there was bacterial load or fluorescence uh, positive images in that periwound area, if there was any kind of devitalized tissue, you know, we sometimes get a lot of dry, scaly, cracked tissue in the periwound area. So, it's really rigorous about uh, debriding that away or, or cleansing that away. And then also uh, had a, a more utilization of uh, topical antimicrobials to rid that periwound of that fluorescent signal. Listen, I think uh, this has the potential to be helpful if it can be obtained by local wound care providers. Correct. And you know, what was interesting too is that at no time during this observational study uh, did a wound enter into a healing trajectory when there was still positive fluorescence detected. So it was only after we removed all bacterial contamination and we had a fluorescence negative image, then these wounds went on to a healing trajectory. In fact, when there was bacterial fluorescence present, weekly wound area increased by 6%, but when we eliminated all fluorescence after targeted debridements and appropriate antibiotics, we saw a decrease in wound area of an average of 27.7%. And all wounds where the fluorescence signal was completely eliminated went on to healing within an average of two to six weeks after they were noted to be uh, free of any bacterial contamination. So it was really, you know, the driving home or take home point is that this bacterial contamination is really a limitation in allowing these wounds to go on to heal and no wound went on to healing when they still had significant levels of bacteria. Well, you know, without being able to see the bacteria, I think you can look back historically and go, oh, this is why silver dressings that were introduced to us a decade ago for two weeks of infection have turned into ongoing weekly use the whole time you have a wound is because clinicians are trying to handle this burden of bacteria, even though we physically can't see it. And we're seeing mm -hmm. greater rates of healing when we are handling it. 
And this gives us a, a way to see something, you know, to see beyond these clinical signs of infection that we're used to kind of evaluating for. But this gives us a deeper idea of what's going on and a better idea. And, you know, it, it, I call these devices diagnostics. So they're diagnostic. They tell us, yes, these wounds are contaminated. They have uh, heavy bacteria. But then there also are therapeutic because, you know, sometimes when we practice wound care, almost feel like we're throwing a dart at a dartboard and we're trying to see what sticks, right? We try something for two weeks, mm -hmm. three weeks, four weeks, and then we say, okay, well, that's not working. What else can we use? And, you know, we feel like we base that on our, our clinical experience, but sometimes we're shooting in the dark. So this allows us to trap wounds and, you know, say we start a patient on a topical antimicrobial or an oral antimicrobial or, or some other therapy, and we can track these wounds from week to week to see, is that therapy really helping? Is it ridding uh, the wound of bacterial contamination? Is the wound area decreasing? So it, it's just another uh, weapon in our arsenal uh, to hopefully help these wounds heal quicker and decrease, you know, negative sequela in our patients population. So I've got uh, two of the questions that come to my mind that I want to ask. One, did you have a chance to take any pictures of wounds that went all the way down to bone? And if so, yes. is there in diagnostics here in the periosteum type of infection? So we did have one particular patient, um, and unfortunately, she was left to follow up because she became ill and was uh, admitted into a skilled nursing facility. But uh, upon initial evaluation, uh, there was exposed tendon and there was exposed bone. And there wasn't a ton of exposed bone, so I really wasn't able to visualize the periosteum, and I know where you're kind of going. Too, I think for like osteomyelitis, and this might be a cool thing to use maybe in the OR where we do a, a debridement and uh, we yeah, do a resection you... or an amputation, right? And so we base it on what we think is a clean edge of the bone, but we don't really know. Is there still bacteria? Is there still subclinical sub osteo, you know? But could, and, and that would be, you know, I hadn't thought about that. <laughs> so well, that's exactly maybe I'll have to do a study on that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like that. I like that thought. Exactly. Now, yeah. the other thing I wanted you to bring out, I said there were two things. The other thing was um, the title of your article and uh, the journal issue for people to find it. Stacy, I'll volley that to you. <laughs> All right. Thank you. The title is Use of a Bacterial Fluorescence Imaging System to Target Wound Debridement and Accelerate Healing, a pilot study. And rolls off the tongue. Is, <laughs> yeah, rolls yeah. off the tongue. <laughs> <laughs> and it is published in the Journal of Wound Care. Listen, this is a great discussion. This is one of those kind of uh, situations where I'd love to talk more, but I think we're out of time. So I wanted to thank Oh, you have to have us back. <laughs> oh, definitely. It always goes great uh, when we do these podcasts together. So I'm definitely going there. And I want to thank the listeners for tuning in. And I just want to remind them if they'll look at woundcarelearningnetwork.com, they'll see podcasts, articles, you know, more of what they can be listening to. Uh, guys, you can pick us up on Spotify. You can pick us up on Apple Podcasts. I want you to keep, I want you to keep uh, looking for us. The podcast 
uh, series is called Speaking of Wounds, and we love having you. And today's guest, uh, Dr. Wendy Cole, we love having you always, and I'm glad you brought Stacy Coe along with you. So thank you both so much. 